And we could just stop right there. If you're not familiar with that series, it's called The Chosen. It's uh, powerful. It's extremely well done. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. If you didn't remember anything else today other than that, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Have you ever uh, had an encounter like that where there's a collision between heaven and earth? I've had a few of those in my life. One of those was um, when I had, uh, we had adopted our son Noah and we came home. My wife at this time had figured out how to get pregnant and how not to get pregnant. And we came home from China and we got pregnant. We were not planning on that and that was with our son Caleb. And, of course, there's no mistakes in the world. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full. Children are always a blessing. Always. Always. But we needed to make some life changes. I was working at a church. When you work at a church, usually your, your income is what it is. Um, there weren't really provisions to add to our family. My wife was working. She wasn't going to be working. I clearly did not know what I was going to do. I was sitting in a prayer room, much like your prayer room, and no one was there. I was by myself, and I just was praying. I said, Lord, what should I do? And I heard him so clearly. I heard him so clearly. He said, have you considered mowing lawns? And that, which sounds odd, that was inconsistent with anything I'd really done until that point. My parents had rental homes when we were growing up, and I used to take care of the lawns, and I got very good at lawns. And so when he whispered this to me, I got very excited. I was like, oh my gosh, I could totally, I could totally mow some lawns. And gosh, if the Lord is asking me to mow lawns, surely this is going to be easy. Little side note here, it's been my experience that when the Lord speaks to you clearly, maybe even audibly, although it's exciting, usually it's because you are going to have to hang on to that with everything you've got. I didn't know that at the time, so I was excited. Well, I started a business with absolutely zero capital, zero experience, and my first day, I remember I was running a weed eater, and I broke a water line, a main, on someone's house. I hit it with the weed eater, and it was plastic, and it just shattered. I had 66 cents in my ashtray. I didn't have a penny to my name. I didn't have enough gas to drive anywhere. I knew enough how to turn the water main off. I had just finished wiping dog poo off my face because when I was weed eating, it kept getting in my face from this. It was a horrible day. It was the no good, terrible, rotten day. I wanted to make mean soup, you know, where you yell on the pot. And I remember I was in the car and I said, this is your big plan for my life. I was mad. My wife was mad. She couldn't believe I'd left the church, you know, and I was trying to go and do what I was supposed to do. It was a very, very painful time. And uh, I remember asking the Lord, do you see me and do you care? Do you even give a crap about what I'm going through? I stuck with it. I just stuck with it. I just dug in and 
by the grace of God, the business continued to grow in five accounts to 10, to 20, to 50, to 100. I can say it really quick and say it with a smile, but it was painful and it was hard. And I clawed for traction every step of the way. And at one point in that, I was invited a merger with a much larger landscape. We had accounts from Stockton to Ventura. And of course, with that merger, I didn't have to go out and do the work. I just got to help oversee and schedule and things like that. And, and uh, we were awarded a dealership, uh, an exclusive dealership to install synthetic grass. And uh, so our territory even expanded. And so we would get phone calls from you know Santa Barbara or down south and somebody wanted to put in a very expensive grass. And, we wouldn't just drive down there. So my business partner, his name was Al. Al was actually going to be here this morning. And the reason that's significant, because I'm going to tell you a story. And if you want to verify it, I want to give you Al's number. You can call him and ask him if this actually happened. Okay? So Al taught me how to do Google Earth bids. If you're not familiar with that, Google Earth's a great program. You can, you know, plug in an address. It gives you an aerial view. It'll drop you down over a property. You can actually uh, measure things, calculate a square footage. Then you can drop down to a street view and you can see the property. So we would put together estimates for people. And I said, hey, if you are happy with this estimate, I'll drive down tomorrow. I'll bring you samples. But I'm not going to just drive down to meet and greet with you. Life's just too full. So we're doing Google Earth bids. So in addition to doing Google Earth bids for synthetic lawn, we, started, we were doing Google Earth bids for almost every job that we went to. It was just a nice way to send a, send a proposal. So the very first day that Al and I are working on Google Earth bids, I pull up a property in Grover Beach to give them a calculation for bark. And as I, you know, do the aerial view and I calc it out, and then I drop down for a street view, I'm standing in the photograph on Google Earth. <laughs> Google Earth drove by, you've all seen him, little car with the ball on top with the cameras. Google Earth had apparently driven by two or so years ago, earlier, and I'm standing in the photograph. I have these photos, by the way, so this is not just me making this up to sound really cool. And I'm just blown away. And I say to Al, like, dude, like, what are the odds? And Al's like, this is a trip. And I was like, yeah, it's a trip. So we just move on with our day. I was like, that's pretty cool. So I then pull up a property in Shell Beach, and my employee and I are standing in the photograph. And we... As I was doing the street view, I'm actually bidding a home across the street, but as the camera is kind of turning, if you haven't played with the program, you'll see what I'm talking about. And as I'm scrolling around to take my screenshot, you can see me in the photograph. And I'm just like, this is crazy. And then, of course, we pull up a home in Pomo and do a flyover, and my two trucks and two trailers are in the driveway. Now, at this point, you might think that uh, the National Security Administration is actually looking for me, and they're using Google to help. But I'm telling this story to a group of Christians. Uh, they were a marketplace ministry. They were folks that were, and there's this guy named Reese, and Reese is, I, you guys know Reese, and Reese is really good with numbers. He's prophetically good with numbers, and he looks at me. He goes, Eric, those Google coordinates right there. Now, remember, what was I asking the Lord? Do you see me and do you care? 
gosh, love you people. You sure you want us to take this for a test drive today? I go, he, Reese gets all excited. He says, Eric, those coordinates on the bottom of the map, he says, that's a Bible verse. He said, it's Psalms 72.6. And I'm excited. Care to guess what Psalm 72.6 is? I mean, just, I will shower down upon him in the moat grass. I will shower down upon him in the moat grass. You can't make that up. Do you ever wonder if God sees you? Do you ever wonder if he cares about you? We will have folks today that want to pray with you that you would have an encounter like that with the living God. It's real and it exists. One of the things that happens, though, when you have an encounter with God like that is you can't help but then begin to look for other people to then help them have that encounter. I want to read a verse to you here to make church very official. Matthew 18, 1 through 5. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him, and he placed the child among them, and he said, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Must be something in the air around here. Just kidding. He says, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. So interesting. We're always telling kids, hey, be quiet, grow up, whatever, whatever, whatever. And in the kingdom, he's just saying, hey, actually, if you people just stop and be like a kid. If we had a sermon title today, it'd be called, Let's Grow Up and Become Like Children. I'm pretty good at it. We have four kids. If you ask my wife, she'll tell you we have five. Then I'll tell you I have two moms. (laughs) I sleep on the sofa because I want to. What's the deal with a kid? I think kids are innocent. I think they're inquisitive. I think they're bold. I think they're fun. They believe. They're fearless. This stuff all gets kind of whooped out of us as we go on. And I feel like the Lord is inviting us to step back into a place where we'll be just like that. I'm super, super playful. I get in trouble all the time. I'm kind of, I was at a, a, a group of business professionals. They were, they were professional, and I was just simply in business. So it worked. They let me come along. I uh, <clears throat> had a gas station that I went to. They sold coffee, and I liked coffee, and it was really the only place to get coffee on that side of town. And, and uh, one of the first days I go in there, there's a lady wiping down the counter, and I want to be gracious how I say this, but if she was a truck, she had spent most of her miles off-road. Okay, she was rough and beat up. She was tattooed from head to toe. I have nothing against tattoos, but I'm just talking about who she was. She had had a rough life. And I don't even know why I do stuff like this, but she was wiping down the counter as I'm going in to get my coffee, and I said to her, I don't know her, I said, hey, you missed a spot. 
And she turns around and she said, what the F did you just say? And I said, oh, I wasn't talking about the counter. I said, I wasn't sure if you noticed, but on your elbow, there was a little spot left where you could get another tattoo. <laughs> she flipped me off. She really did. And I smiled and said, hey, have a great day and thanks for the coffee. And a couple days later, I went back in and she was working and I said, hey, good morning, Spot. She flipped me off again and I waved and I thanked her for the coffee and this went on for a couple weeks. And then we became friends. Hey, Spot. Hey, Eric. I mean, they get to know your debit card or whatever. And then she introduced me to the other employees there and I'd go in and use the restroom and... And I'm kind of like a cat. Like, even if you're allergic, I'm going to rub against you long enough till you eventually either pick me up or kick me outside. Like, those are your two choices. And so I go in one day. I use the bathroom, and I come out, and I said, Spot, who cleaned the bathroom today? And she goes, is something wrong? I said, no, not really. I said, but who cleaned the bathroom? And she said, well, it's the new guy, Max. And I said, oh, is Max here? And she said, yeah, he's outside. And I said, well, where's he at? And so I walk outside, and I see a, an employee standing way on the other side of the parking lot. Now, again, I don't always know why I do stuff like this. It just happens. And I yell across the parking lot, hey, are you Max? And this guy turns around, and I could tell as soon as he turned around, this was going to maybe be an awkward conversation. This guy was tattooed up one side and down the other. As he's getting closer, he's got horns tattooed on his forehead. And he said, who wants to know? And instead of throttling back, I step into him and I said, I do. But I kind of say it with a little salt, a little authority. And I said, did you clean the bathroom? And he's all, why? He said, there's nothing wrong with that bathroom. And I said, you know what, you're right. I said, I've been coming here for, I don't know, six months or a year. I said, I've been using that bathroom three times a week. And today, today when I went in, I said, the bathroom has never been so clean. And I said, I just wanted to come out and thank you and let you know that I appreciate you. And he's looking at me and he's all jacked up. He's like, are you for real? You know, like he was ready to fight me. And I shook his hand, and I just said, hey, man, I'll see you around, Max. Walk in next day, hey, Spot, hey, Max. You know? <laughs> Max asked me for a job. He said, hey, I know you're a landscaper. He said, can I work for you? And I said, and in my mind, I'm just being super straight. My clients were like my kids. You don't just let anybody date your daughter, right? And I wasn't about to have Max with his horns and all his other stuff, and they had a demon eating a baby on his arm. Right? You know Max. And I'm not going to let him just roll into my client's house, man. There's rules. There's movidas. But I said, hey, Max, I'll tell you what. And I, yeah, I, this was not a cliche deal. I just said, Max, I'll tell you what. I'll pray about it. And he's like, all right, whatever. You know, like, that's your little white bread answer to my problems. The next day, my lead guy uh, was going off. He was getting married, and so my second-in-command called me and said, hey, Eric, I just tore my hamstring. I'm going to be out for two weeks. And we were in the middle of a very large install, and I'm like, crap. I call Max, 
And I said, hey, champ, I said, were you serious about working for me? And he goes, yeah. And I said, dude, it's go time. He said, are you for real? I said, I told you I was going to pray about it. I didn't realize I was going to pray somebody's hamstring getting ripped, but whatever. <laughs> Many are the plans in a man's heart. It's the Lord's purposes that prevail. So I picked Max up. I knew Max smoked. I knew Max liked coffee. So I get his favorite brand of cigarettes. I get a cup of coffee. He gets in the car and I said, hey, dude, we just got to do something real quick. You mind if we just pray? And he's like, what? And I, yeah, can I just pray for our day? He's like, I guess. So Max is sitting there with his eyes open, staring at me. And I just lay my hands on him. I just pretend Max has always known the Lord. And I just said, hey, Max, I just want you to know that. I just began to pray. I just said, Lord, I thank you for Max. I thank you for who he is. I ask you, bless him. God, I'm so grateful he's here today. I really was because I was like, I do not want to move all that grass by myself. <laughs> but I just began to bless Max and we get done. He's like, for real? I was like, yeah, let's go. So we go and Max was an amazing worker. Just, just amazing. Next day we get in the car. Lay my hands on him, start praying for him. Max is still sitting there with his eyes open. We have another great day. Third day, we get in the car. I'm on the phone with some people. We're kind of pulling out of the yard. And we pull up to a stop sign, and Max is looking at me kind of weird. And I said, are you all right? And he's, oh, well, yeah, yeah. And I said, what's going on, Max? And he, he didn't know how to ask me, but he said, hey. He said, would you be willing to pray for me today? He said, when you pray for me, I feel so good inside. I said, oh, Max, don't be hogging all the love. Why don't you pray for me? That's what I told him. He goes, well, I'm, what do I do? And I said, well, I don't know. Why don't you just talk to God? So Max was like, oh, Lord, you know, like, <laughs> it's like, Max, that was horrible. No, I'm kidding. Um, so that began the story of Max. And I, I never invited Max to come to church. I just figured at some point if he wanted to come to church, he'd come to church. And sure enough, one day he's like, hey, so like, you go to church? And I was like, yeah. He goes, can I come? I was like, no, nah, Max, it's for special people. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, Max, you can come with me. And so uh, I said, I'll tell you what, I'll pick you up at 7 o'clock. Now, I was not being super honest with Max. I did not tell Max that I oversaw the setup of the church, which meant we drove to a place, we got a bread truck. Andrew's done this. And in the bread truck were all the sound equipment and everything you needed for a successful day. So I picked Max up again. I got his coffee and his cigarettes. And, uh, and we pick him up. He's like, where, where, where is everybody? Oh, hey, no, totally. They're going to totally be here soon. We just have a few things to take care of. <laughs> three hours. We had three hours of setup. And finally, I mean, Max looked like the fat kid at camp who was jumping rope in the attic. He's sweaty. He's looking at me. He's like, you tricked me, didn't you? Like, you, you tricked me. He said, why would you invite me to church if all we were going to do was set up? And I said, oh, Max, I said, this is church. We give our life away. The owner of Chick-fil-A wrote a book. He said, it's easier to build boys than it is to mend men. I just figured if Max was going to come to church with me, he might as well... Learn what church is like, if it's worth being there. It's a lot easier than trying to catch people and beg them to serve in the children's ministry later. Max and I are friends to this day. We were texting each other just this week. He told me he loved me. He thanked me for being 
a friend. Thank me for being a father in his life. This started in a bathroom. This wasn't prophetic. It wasn't supernatural. Somebody did their job. We've all been in bad bathrooms. <laughs> and I just thanked him with a little extras. <laughs> Maybe you're here and you want to reach out to people, but you just don't know how and you're scared. His perfect love will drive out all fear. And we'll pray for you today. So I recently started a new job. I, uh, it's absolutely a wonderful job. I'm a manager for a privately held facility here in town, actually on the Central Coast. And, but I was, uh, I was putting some things together, and the very first thing I bought for my office was a clear candy bowl. You know why? Because when you read in Scripture that we will demolish strongholds. The translation in Hebrew means put chocolate in a bowl on your desk. Okay? If you really want to step out on a limb, and this borders on the master plan of evangelism, you want to bring in sour gummy worms. Because between those two things, you're going to get most of the people. <laughs> And then if you want to step it up a notch, actually pay attention to what people want. And I have one guy at the office who's big bodybuilder. And so for him, I brought in some protein shakes and some uh, power bars. And so everybody else was macking on my candy. In fact, the first week I was there, I spent $20 on chocolate. Now, the funny thing is nobody would come to my office when I was there, but they were like little rats in the corn when I was gone. And I was like, oh, I got these people. So the second week, I spent $30 on chocolate. And I was like, man, if this keeps up, my wife is going to have to work harder and get another job. <laughs> second week, I was there, and I'm praying. I know that I'm supposed to be where I'm at. That's a talk for another day, but I know that I know that I know that I'm supposed to be at this place working there. And so I am asking the Lord, who are you working on in this place? He's always at work. Who are you working on? Today happened to be Lily's lucky day. And that night I had two dreams about Lily. And the first dream was this. I saw Lily and Lily was pregnant. Now Lily and her boyfriend lived together. But in the dream, Lily's pregnant. And I could tell from the dream she was kind of in that first trimester. Okay? Dream changes and Lily is a pheasant. Right? And you're like, well, that's weird. And I see this little pheasant scurrying across the ground. And then I see the pheasant turn into a beautiful peacock. And I see it open up. And it was put on display. Now, if you have a dream like that, you might just think, what a weird dream. I was like, this is amazing, Lord. What are you telling me about Lily? And uh, I felt like the Lord told me about it. So... I walk into work. I don't know Lily. Now remember, the land of familiarity breeds content, meaning the longer you and I are friends, the less I'm going to have a prophetic influence in your life. Because you're going to go, well, you already know that. 
So if you want to get crazy and take the car for a test drive, do it with someone you don't know. But a great place to hone that skill is like in a small group or a Bible study where you're like, hey, Chad, is it okay? Obviously, he'd be like, yeah, go for it. And then if you, and comfort, encouragement, and exhortation. Those are your, that's a talk for another day. But anyway, so I look at Lily. Lily, we, there's six of us that are in this office space. And I said, good morning, Lily. I said, it was so crazy. I had two dreams about you last night. Now, of course, she's like, oh, the creeper, you know, this old guy. <laughs> And I didn't even ask her if she wanted to hear about him. I said, Lily, in the first dream, you were pregnant. She got, oh, well, I don't want to be pregnant. And I said, no, 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 Lily, hang on a second. I'm going to get to this. You were pregnant, but I don't think it meant you were pregnant. What I think the dream meant was that you are carrying something. There's something in you that you're about to give birth to. And I said... It's almost like once it happens, it's going to forever change your life. And she's looking at me, and I said, but hang on, the dream gets better. I said, Lily, you were this pheasant. And I said, you know what a pheasant is? They look like a chicken, but they're in the wild, and they got long feathers, a little collar around their neck. And I said, Lily, when I was a kid, we had a garden, and the animals used to come into our garden. And we thought it was bunnies, so we put a little cage around it. We were trying to trap the bunnies. But what was interesting is we kept catching pheasants. The pheasants, all they had to do was just hop over that little fence, three feet high, or in their case, they would crawl under the fence, which I thought was odd, and when they would crawl under, they'd get caught in our traps and game over. And then I told her, I said, Lily, I saw you turn into a beautiful peacock. And she's looking at me, and I said, let me just bring this all together for you. I said, Lily, I think that in about a six-month time period, something significant in your life is going to change. And you are going to step into the fullness of who you were made to be and that you are going to be put on display and it is going to be a beautiful thing. That was my interpretation. Well, whatever was going on in Lily's world, it started to mess her up. She's looking at me like, whoo, wow, that's crazy. And then there's this other lady, Christy, who goes, hey, oh my God, like, oh my God. She's like, are you psychic? And whenever anybody asks you that, I just rolled my eyes into my head. I'm like, no, but I see dead people. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it's really okay to have fun. Amen. It really is. Let's not make this harder than it has to be. So that was two weeks ago. Last week, Lily said to me, she comes in, she goes, oh, I got to talk to you. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So I go home that night and I have to stop at the hardware store to pick up some parts for there. I walk into the hardware store, I'm standing there, and right in front of me is a pheasant, a dog toy pheasant at Miners. And it wasn't with their animal stuff. Somebody had picked it up and threw it down, and it was right in front of me as I'm ringing out. I'm like, I'm buying that pheasant. (laughs) And Christy, the, oh my God, Are you psychic? Christy had made a comment she didn't have any post-its. And as I'm standing there, they're selling post-its. And they were marked like urgent and hurry on them, like in different colors. And I'm like, oh, I'm buying these girls' stuff, period. So I roll into the office the next day, and I'm like, got something for you, God. Lily now keeps her pheasant on her desk. And I said, Lily, you got six months. I don't know what's going to happen, but you have six months. 
Lily came in last week, and she goes, I had a dream last night. I want to tell you about it. She goes, I had a dream that I was teaching swim lessons to children, and she starts to go off on it. And I said, Lily, is that dream significant to you? And she goes, yes. She goes, that's something I've always wanted to do. And I said, well, gosh, we should write a master plan, (laughs) trying to get her to quit where she's at and be who she's supposed to be. It started with chocolate. Finally, Christy asked me again, oh my God, are you psychic? The third time she asked me, I'm like, I'm gonna tell this girl. I said, Christy, I wanna talk to you. And so we went out and sat in our lobby and there's a beautiful fireplace. And I just began, I said, Christy, I'm not psychic, but I'll give you a word that I believe is in the Bible that can explain some of this. And she's just sitting here and then I start sharing her a couple stories and Christy starts coming undone. And it was amazing. Chad, if you don't have chocolate on your desk by the end of this week, I don't even know what to tell you. I'm on week three. I've had four different staff members who I do not know come up to me and start crying and start telling me their life story. I had a guy, Chad, you came up and gave me a hug this morning. I was on the phone. An employee who I don't know is calling in sick today. He's got a family emergency, and I just said, Oscar, can I pray with you? I know we don't know each other, and I don't know how you're wired, but it sounds like you got a lot going on. Interestingly enough, Christy came into work and said, hey, I want to add some chocolate to your bowl, and she hands me this little bag of chocolate. My boss comes in right after her, not knowing Christy just gave me chocolate, and hands me $50 worth of chocolate, $50 worth of chocolate for my bowl. And then the custodian comes in and says, hey, do you mind if I bring in some chocolate for your bowl? It's really not about the chocolate. It's about learning to love the people that are in your sphere of influence. Maybe you're here and you want dreams and visions. It is biblical. It's in the book of Acts. I'll pour out my spirit on all people, men and women, young and old, sons, daughters. Sometimes you're a tweener. You get dreams and visions. It's okay to have dreams and visions, and you may not always know what they mean. In fact, I woke up this morning. I said, honey, I had a dream about a lady at work. It was a crazy dream, and I said, Lord, if I'm supposed to tell her, give me an interpretation. He did. I texted her and said, crazy. Audra, I had a dream about you last night and your friends, and I can't wait to tell you about it. She's like, OMG, I cannot wait to hear it. Are you psychic? Oh, yeah. Justin, I uh, traded up my pages on you here, but I do have a question for, the, for us today. And I said, do you, know why, do you know why the unsaved world doesn't want to go to church? Yeah, that's right. The, the good part of why the unsaved world. You guys want to, you ever wonder why they don't want to come? Us. We've completely ruined it for them. We really have. We have made it so difficult for them to come to church. We're convinced God's mad 
And we're like, well, I'm in better place than they are, so we're convincing them he's mad. You can pull up the studies why people don't come to church. Jesus knew a little bit about this. And I really do love The Chosen. And I go, when I watch the series, I'm like, man, that's the Jesus I signed up to serve. If you haven't seen it, it's a powerful deal. But Matthew 21, Jesus entered the temple courts. He drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw how wonderful things he was doing and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, the leaders were indignant, and they said, Do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, he said. Have you not read for the lips of children and infants, Lord? You've called forth your praise. And Jesus then left the church and he went out to the city of Bethany where he spent the night. Who killed Jesus? The unsaved world or the church? It was the religious leaders of the time. They were threatened by who he was. He was messing, he was moving their cheese all over the place. One of the last jobs I did prior to starting this one is uh, got a phone call. I did a lot of work for real estate companies, and this lady calls me and says, can you come to my house? And I said, sure. I walked into her house, and my spirit in here just went, ah, ah, ah. And literally, I wanted to leave, and I knew, I knew immediately what I was feeling. It was a spirit of witchcraft. I'm like, you called me to come to your house. I said, hey, Brenda. I said, I know we don't know each other, and I'm really looking forward to working for you. I said, do you mind if I ask you a question? And she said, what? And I said, are you a witch? Like, do you, do you practice black magic? And she's like, what? Why would you ask me that? And I said, well, I feel really uncomfortable in here. And I think there's a collision with what's going on with you and what's going on with me. And she's all, well, I, you know, I don't do black magic. And I said, fine, do you do white magic? And she goes, oh, well, of course. <laughs> so glad to hear that. Brenda was a very, very difficult lady for me to work for. In fact, like, I just was like, please don't call me, please don't call me, please don't call me, please don't call me. I felt like the Lord asked me, he said, hey, what if I, what if I put you in Brenda's life? And I was like, oh, well, that would change everything. That would be great. And Brenda called and I said, Brenda, I can't think of another place that I'd want to come today. You're inviting me into your house. And my sh I had a shift in my heart about that moment. And, and, and this lady was very difficult. She was very demanding. But I'm like, you're paying me by the hour. I'll, I'll clean your tub with a toothbrush. I don't care. But I purposed in my heart that I was going to do an exceptional job for this lady. And Brenda and I talked. She knew I was a pastor. She knew my history. But she just couldn't get over the fact that I was committed to giving her exactly what she wanted. And Brenda began to tell me her story. 
Brenda began to tell me about her childhood and how she was abused and how she was abused in marriage and how she ended up getting out of that. And I could go on and on about her story. But the fact that she was willing to share that with me, and Brenda was ill. She's dying. And I knew she was dying. And Brenda's selling her home to move into a place. And at the end of our business deal, we kind of agreed, hey, we have your house ready. And I just said, Brenda, it has been one of the biggest pleasures of my life to work with you. And I said, I know you're going to a facility. And I said, I, I just want you to know, she always kept her house really, really hot. And she smoked a lot. And I said, I just want you to know that when you get there, if you call me, I will smuggle in your favorite brand of cigarettes. And I said, I will distract the orderly so that you can turn the thermostat up. <laughs> and she goes, you know what? I'd love to have you come. Brenda's a witch. Doesn't conventional wisdom tell us to go the other direction? I think it's the direction we're supposed to go. I'd like to think, I gave you the analogy of the cat, I, I'd like to think that we're Holy Ghost terrorists. I want you to think about a bunch of dynamite strapped to your body. Maybe you're wearing that raincoat. And you're just committed to loving the people in your sphere of influence. You're gonna love them, you're gonna love them, you're gonna love them, you're gonna pour out your life like an offering. You're gonna love them, you're gonna love them, you're gonna pray for them, you're gonna fast, you're gonna love them, and then there comes that moment in time where you open the jacket and they're looking at you with disbelief as you're getting ready to push the clicker and there's an explosion. I've had people that have absolutely zero regard for the things of God who when it hits the fan, they call you. We all have those people. But are you, are you approachable? Are you reachable? Are you available? Can they find you? The Lord is looking for a church. He's looking for a people who will stand in the gap. The Bible tells us there's nothing new under the sun. It was in Numbers chapter 16. There was rebellion in the land. A plague broke out. The Lord was bringing judgment against this, and it says that there was a, a plague, and people were dying. And the priest ran out, and they stood between the living and the dead, and the plague stopped. You're a priest. You're a priestess. If you're in the kingdom, there is no one to call. You're it. We are being called to stand in the gap at the schools with all the crap that's going on there. You're the one. There is no Calvary. We're it. We're it. We can either watch this place burn to the ground or we can be who we're supposed to be. We're gappers. Priests and priestesses.
locked together in unity. The Lord is so, I, I, this I do believe, he is so tired of all the churches that just do not play well together. Chad alluded to it, but my theology, my belief system changed the day that he and I got together. And I said, because when he said, hey, would you come to this thing? I said, yeah. I go, what do you want to do? He's like, no, what do you want to do? And we were both like, no, what do you want to do? No, what do you want to do? You know, we had no agenda for our individual church. We just, and Chad's, fam- I'm sure he says it here all the time, let's just make Jesus famous. And I was like, that's a great idea. Let's figure that out. We came into a place of unbridled unity, and the first night we got together, it was crazy. Literally, like I, it was crazy. And I said to him, I was like, hey, is it always like that when you preach? He's like, or no, you were playing worship. I said, when you play worship, he's like, mm-mm. And he's like, is it like that when you preach? I'm like, never. And that week I said, Lord, what happened? What happened in that exchange? What was so different about this than any other thing I've been a part of? So who here has seen Monsters, Inc.? The little kid movie? Okay, if you haven't or you don't remember it, weird storyline, but basically... These monsters had these magical doorways. So they had a doorway, and they had this warehouse filled with doors. And what they would do is you'd select your door for your shift as a monster, and then that door would open, and it was an actual portal into our universe. And that door led them to a child's room. And they would scare the kid, and the kid's scream, they could harvest the power from the scream, They could kind of put it in a battery and they could take it back to their world and they could power their world. Does that make sense? Is that right? Okay. So, cute movie. Maybe sounds a little weird to you right now, but the monsters weren't really trying to be mean. They were just trying to power their life. And they were told, never talk to the kids. Don't ever let them touch you. Well, in the movie, there's this little girl who was childlike and didn't know better and thought the monsters were cute. Hi. Boo, is that right? Was that her name? And so she comes with the monsters back through the magical doorway and accidentally laughs at something they do in her kingdom. And when she does, there's this atomic blast that goes off. And as the story plays out, they discover that laughter was atomic and it was 10 times greater than the scream. And it changed how they did business, of course. And now the monsters and kids get along, and you make them laugh. It's a win-win. Why am I telling you this? Because I have stock in Pixar. I don't, no, I'm kidding, I don't. <laughs> this was what the Lord was telling me. He said, Eric, what happened when you and Chad got together is a lot like Monsters, Inc. He said, the church goes after evangelism, and it's almost like trying to collect screams. And it can be good, and it, and it can accomplish part of what we're trying to do. He said, but if the church would be willing to go after unity, he said, it's atomic, and there, there I will command a blessing. Why? He said, they, the world, will know you're my believers by your love for one another. We're called to love everybody, but we really should love the church as well. Okay? So there you go. All right. Bottom line, too, you do not need to be me. You don't need to go make jokes at the gas station. You don't need to buy pheasants. You don't even need to have a candy dish. But you do need to be you. 
You make the best you. Nobody can be you. Nobody's in your sphere of influence. Nobody's working where you work. Nobody. You are you. Greatest commandment in the Bible is what? Love the Lord your God with our heart, all your soul, all your mind, right? What's the second greatest commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. That sounds weird, a little self-love. Do you love yourself? Do you love who you are? How you were made? How tall you are? How big you are? How little you are? Do you love your eyes? Do you look at your nose and wish it was different? You were fearfully and wonderfully made. Some of you were fearful, some of you were wonderful, but no matter what, fearfully and wonderfully made. You are uniquely you, you were made, you were made, and all of hell is opposing the fullness of who you are. When you read the Bible, behold, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Warfare is just this. I think I know the plans he has for you, and I hate those plans, and I hate you. So today, if you hate yourself, you have some self-hatred, that's one of the things we want to pray for. Substance abuse, want to pray for you or anybody in your life. An encounter with God, you or anyone in your life. Healing, we'll have elders that will anoint you with oil in accordance with scripture. Not rocket science, it's like ragu spaghetti sauce, it's all in there. It's all in there. As we close out our time, uh, I've got a video we're going to show us, and then Chad and his friends are going to come pray and play. Um, This video has, uh, I mean, it's just, it's been in the church a long time, so most of you have probably seen it, but I feel that it just best captures the Lord's heart for us. I love you guys. You've been amazing. If you have kids, you have 10 minutes to yourself, and then at 12 o'clock, get them, and they can run around in here like banshees while we pray for one another. Thank you, guys.